Hi everyone, welcome and thank you for joining us here this morning. Hey, today is Palm Sunday and that marks the beginning of Holy Week. That is the week in the church calendar in which we remember the last week of Jesus' life, his crucifixion, his uh, burial, his resurrection, ultimately next Sunday uh, on Easter. And so we're going to be celebrating that in a number of ways this week. Um, today we'll talk about Palm Sunday and the last week of Jesus' life on Friday evening we're going to have a contemplative candle lit uh good friday service a very different experience and if you'd like to be a part of that you are invited 7 p.m uh, 7 p.m on friday mm -hmm. and then saturday afternoon we'll have some activities for families uh, especially if you have kids come on out uh, but not just if you have kids anyone everyone's invited uh, come out we'll be outdoors and just do uh, some fun activities in the afternoon on saturday and then uh, next Sunday, uh, we'll be celebrating Easter here at the church building, and Sarah and I will be recording online for those that can't make it uh, to the building also. We're really excited to celebrate um, this week with you guys and Easter. We've been in a series uh, focused on the mission of God, and we're going to continue that today. And the mission of God, as we talk about the mission of God, we want to look at an overview of Scripture. So here's where we've been so far. In the beginning, God created, and what he created was good. And Adam and Eve lived in the garden, and it was pristine, and it was perfect, and God was there with them. They were loved, and they were cared for. However, starting with Adam and Eve and continuing on, humanity chose to go their own way. They chose to go their own way and that brought pain and suffering and brokenness into this world. And so the rest of the biblical narrative describes God as a God of mission. And his mission is to restore creation, to restore and to heal his beloved creation. And so we read about in the Old Testament, God making a covenant with Abraham and the descendants of Abraham, um, who were the Israelites. And God made a covenant with them saying, I will be your God and you will be my people. And I'm choosing you for some remarkable purposes. The first being that you will be a light to the world. And then that I will bless the world through you. You will be blessed that you might be a blessing to the entire world. And we, as we read scripture, we see that Israel was unable to keep their end of the covenant. But God did not give up on them. And God remained faithful to the covenant that he had made with his people. He remained faithful to restore, to heal, and, and to bring about peace in his creation. And so we saw how God came in human flesh. Jesus Christ, the Savior, was born in Israel. And Jesus was the light of the world, is the light of the world. And Jesus is the blessing that will bless the entire world. And Jesus spoke of God's mission in terms of the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. And we saw how this kingdom operated very differently than the kingdoms of this world. Sometimes it's called an upside down kingdom uh, where there was blessing and opportunity for the hurting, for the marginalized, for the weak. And it was a kingdom of peace and hope in a kingdom of love. And this kingdom, like we talked about last week, isn't far off but it's here and now and it's continually coming 
And so today, uh, since it's Palm Sunday, we are talking about Jesus as the King. Yeah. When's the last time that you received the recognition or the praise that maybe you deserved? Sadly, it's pretty rare that uh, we have those experiences. I don't know, maybe you have a really good boss who takes the time mm -hmm. to offer recognition and appreciation. Well, in most of our lives, uh, it doesn't happen enough. And we want you to know that you are a wonderful person, amazingly made, and you deserve a lot of recognition. Uh, but today, as we look at the story of Jesus, uh, though many people were out to... Um, uh, prove him false, uh, to kill him, all these different things. Uh, today on Palm Sunday, we recognize a day in which Jesus begins to receive the recognition and the praise that he deserves. Jesus is king. And so today, at the beginning of Holy Week, Jesus enters Jerusalem to quite a fanfare. Yes. So let's read about that. We're going to read in from Matthew chapter 21, starting in verse 6. Here's what Matthew writes. The, the, the disciples went and did as Jesus instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him um, and those that followed shouted, Hosanna! To the son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And so the way the, the crowd responds to Jesus by laying their cloaks down and cutting down branches. Um, in John, it specifically says palm branches, thus palm Sunday. Um, the way the crowd greeted Jesus, they were hailing him as king. People had seen his power. They had seen him do miraculous things. Many in the crowd had seen him uh, raise Lazarus from the dead or heard of that story. And so they came to greet the king and they hailed him as king. They said, Hosanna to the son of David. And Hosanna means save us, but it was used as an exclamation of praise, as in here is the king who is saving us. They called him the son of David and the Messiah, the king was to come from the line of David. And so they are shouting his praises saying, praise be to the king who is saving us. So they recognized Jesus as king. And that was countercultural and challenging in some respects in the first century in that Rome had a king. And that king ruled over Israel as a nation. And so to be hailing our king has arrived, put them in a little bit of a precarious place. And yet here 2,000 years later, maybe for entirely different reasons, it might be challenging for us to recognize Jesus as our king. I mean, we live in a democracy and we're very proud of the way uh, that uh, distributes the voice and the rule mm -hmm. in the nation, although even that uh, there's some challenges and hiccups that we're seeing right now in our nation. So at any rate, as, as a democratic people, it's kind of hard to talk about and relate to this idea of Jesus as our king. And, and so today we're, we're asking that question. If Jesus is our king, and if we are subject to him, if he is the ruler in our lives, well, then what are the implications of that? And what are the ways that of Jesus, what are the ways of our king that we're invited to be living into? 
it's really an interesting question. And even as we look at the narrative of Palm Sunday, we see that as Jesus entered Jerusalem as king, there were many unexpected and kind of different things about how that played out. For instance, he came in riding on the colt of a donkey, which a king would normally ride in on a strong horse wearing armor and holding weapons and with an army behind him showing great power and force. And Jesus comes in on a colt, on a donkey, a gentle animal without an army. And so it really does beg those questions. What kind of king is Jesus and how are we called to be as his followers? Yeah. So today to try to answer that question, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the last week of Jesus' life. We're going to take the events of Holy Week and explore what kind of a king is this? Jesus hailed his king as he enters Jerusalem. What kind of king is he? Now, his first full day in Jerusalem, on Monday, he goes to the temple. It was very eventful. <laughs> yeah, and the temple was the hub of Israelite culture and faith. Uh, this is where God was to dwell in the Holy of Holies at the center of the temple, and then where the people were to congregate, where sacrifices were to be offered. People would take these pilgrimages to come to Jerusalem and the temple each year. This was the center place in Israelite faith. Mm -hmm. So let's read. Um, about that story. It's in Matthew chapter 21, starting in verse 12. Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did, and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. You know, as the central place in the relationship between God and Israel, as, as the central place in the religion, we see in Jesus his passion for the mission of God and his disdain for those that stand against it. You see, uh, in corrupt and greedy practices, people were robbing from the travelers coming to offer sacrifices. And so we see Jesus' great passion for the mission of God and also his willingness to drive out the evil and the greed and the things that in this moment are standing in the way of people's experience with God, their ability to approach God. And, you know, I picture the scene and it's it's interesting to see Jesus show such emotion or even anger in this moment. And it relates to his concern for God's mission in this world. And I picture this, this moment in which Jesus has driven out so many that are there. And maybe there's a few more on the outskirts looking kind of nervously towards what has just happened. What will he do next? What is happening right now? And in this space that is created, in this void that now exists in the temple courts, did you notice what begins to happen? The hurting and the sick approach Jesus and he heals them. You see, this is the mission of God and this is the way of our king that, uh, that the hurting would be healed, that wounds would be bound up, that there would be opportunity for people in need to approach the feet of Jesus 
and to find in him the healing and the hope that they need. So we see a king who is passionate about the mission of God. Let's go to another story. This one found in John 13. It's in its um the week of Passover, and as Jesus is sitting down for an evening meal, John writes this in verse 3. He says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. So Jesus knew that everything was under his power. And at that moment, this is what he chooses to do. He gets up. And he gets a towel and he wraps it around him. He grabs some water and a basin and he begins to wash his disciples' feet. Now, for us, that seems like a strange thing to do in our culture and time. But but in this culture and time, it was uh, very normal that people would wash their feet before an evening meal. Not at all normal that Jesus would be doing it. That part's not normal. So typically, as people would walk into a home, a, that would be the servant's job. A servant would come and wash the feet of the travelers. And so here Jesus, you know, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. So what does he choose to do? He chooses to take the posture of a servant and wash his disciples' feet. And then he sits down. And he says this to his disciples, John 13, starting in verse 14. Now that I, your teacher, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. And so Jesus says, I've set you an example here. Your instructions wash each other's feet. Now, this has led to some very awkward, like, camp and retreat activities where we actually mm. attempt to wash each other's feet. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but that's not exactly what Jesus is referring to here. Jesus is talking about taking on the posture of a servant, that using our power to serve others. And that is the way of our king, mm -hmm. one of serving other people. And so as that evening continues, they begin to eat the Passover meal. And this was a central event in in the Israelite annual calendar. Uh, they remember that God had rescued them from Egypt and that they had not received um, the punishment or the harm from the final plague in, in Egypt, but instead the angel had passed over and brought new hope and life as they set out on their journey towards the promised land. And so each year they would remember uh, this e event at the Passover meal. And Jesus takes what is a familiar experience to his apostles and he says, but I'm going to institute something new here. And he takes the bread that's on the table and he breaks it and he says, this bread, it's my body that will be broken for you. And then he takes uh, the, the, the wine that's on the table and he says, this wine, uh, as you drink it, remember my blood that will be poured out. And he institutes in this moment something for his followers for all of time to experience, a time of remembering Jesus, his love and his sacrifice. So let's just zoom out a minute. Um, we're, we're talking today about what kind of king is Jesus and how are we as his followers to operate. And so far, we've seen that Jesus the king um, is passionate about the mission of God. Uh, Jesus the king takes on the posture of a servant. Even though he has all this power, he takes on the posture of a servant and he's inviting his followers to be in community centered around him and to continually remember 
um, his death mm -hmm. and his resurrection. Mm -hmm. And the final event that we'll look at for today as we explore the way of our king is this. Uh, after the Passover feast and after instituting the Lord's Supper, they head out to a mountain uh, or to a garden where they're praying and a mob of people come to arrest Jesus and they have their clubs and their torches and uh, Peter, one of Jesus's apostles, he draws his sword and he swings it at the lead person coming to arrest Jesus. And uh, Jesus says this in Matthew 26, 52, he says, put your sword back in its place. Jesus said, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you think I cannot call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? Mm -hmm. Jesus had all the power and authority needed to overcome in this moment. And yet this is the way of our king. He chose nonviolence and he was willing to participate in um, God's plan in this moment, mm -hmm. even if it meant losing his own life. We see that. As the story unfolds, as Jesus is hanging on the cross, um, he's about to die. In Luke 23, verse 34, Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. Even in his death, Jesus models what the kingdom of God looks like. And it's a kingdom of love and forgiveness. Yeah. So this is the way of our king. He is passionate about the mission of God and God's kingdom coming and his will being done on earth. He chooses the posture of a servant washing the feet of others instead of demanding or receiving the praise of others. And he institutes ways for his followers to remember him and to maintain his centrality in our worship and experience. And finally, our king, he chooses a way of peace, even in the face of violence. So as we, as we think about all that, what does it look like for us to walk in the way of Jesus? Well, first of all, we're invited to be passionate about the mission of God. And the mission of God is to renew creation, to restore and to heal and to bring about peace in God's um, in God's creation. And so we're invited to practice these things to both for ourselves, to find healing, to find peace with God and with others, and also to operate uh, and to live out of these kingdom principles. As we practice the way of Jesus, we will become increasingly more passionate about the mission of God. And God opens our eyes to see the hurting around us to see where there is pain. And God also opens our eyes to see how God is moving and God is healing and God is restoring wholeness. And as we become passionate about the mission of God, as we practice these things, God works through us. And imperfect as we are, God works through his people to accomplish his mission. And secondly, consider what does it look like this week to wash feet? And it's probably not literal, <laughs> not uh, though it might be. Um, what does it look like to serve other people, to mm -hmm. take on that posture? If you're a student and just getting back into classroom and school, there's probably going to be room at the lunchroom tables to serve someone, to care for someone who might 
be feeling alone in that moment. Each of us in our workplaces or in our daily interactions and daily lives, there is room to choose a posture of a servant. It's so easy, probably for all of humanity, but certainly in our Western culture, to get so caught up in the things that I need and want that we rarely see others and see others' needs. But Jesus, the way of our King, is a way of serving others, seeing and serving other people. Jesus chose nonviolence. And I think it's particularly applicable for us to ask the question, what does that look like? for us today. You know, there's been so much violence, especially racially motivated violence, and it has been heart-wrenching to to see and to hear about. We grieve and we lament with those who have been touched by this, who have been experiencing this. You know, Jesus was no stranger to violence. He experienced injustice and he experienced abuse and he spoke truth to power. He saw and he engaged the hurting and oppressed, and he practiced forgiveness when he was wronged. And we, as the kingdom of God, the people of God's kingdom, we are called to do the same in not choosing to respond to violence with violence. Instead, we choose to operate out of love, out of peace, and out of truth and forgiveness. Yeah. And those are hard things, but beautiful Um when we can get there. (laughs) Absolutely. So finally, it is at the invitation of Jesus Mm -hmm. that we get to remember what God has done for us and to remember that in community. And so today, as we gather at the building, we'll be taking communion together. And while we take communion, we're going to be listening to this song. It's called Come to the Table by uh, the band Common Hymnal. In fact, I think last week we We mentioned a Common Common Hymnal Hymnal song. At any rate, it's a song that says um, there is space at the table that you are invited uh, both into the presence of Jesus and into community. So if today uh, you're, you're seeing this online, we want you to know you are invited into community. And in this season of COVID, that can look different and that is challenging. But know that you are invited to the table both of Jesus and of his followers. So today we've looked at the way of Jesus. Jesus, our King, and his way involves peace and love and forgiveness and service. And we are invited to walk in the way of Jesus. Let's pray about that. God, thank you for this day and this time we have. Thank you, Jesus, Mm -hmm. for your way, a way of peace and a way of healing and hope and your passion for that healing and hope coming into this world. Pray that as your followers, we can live in your ways, live into your kingdom here on earth, and see healing and hope brought by you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. Bye.